Hello and welcome to episode 70 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to inspire you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadow Cat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I'm joined once again by Catherine Thompson, who is a business mentor, copywriter, and multiple business owner. Thank you so much for coming back to the show, Catherine. Yes, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Amazing. So if you missed the last episode, listeners, Catherine and I talked the realities of owning multiple businesses. So if that's something that you're curious about, be sure to rack it up on the playlist to listen to next. But otherwise, today, Catherine, we're going to dive into you and your business, Creatively Owned. So can we start with start with the beginning, I guess? What was it that inspired you to start Creatively Owned? Yeah, so um, four years ago, I actually ditched my 15-year corporate marketing communications career to open a brick-and-mortar winemaking business. And when I left corporate, I actually thought I didn't enjoy or maybe marketing communications wasn't my thing. So because I think I didn't like the structure of what corporate was, and so I confused that with not necessarily liking marketing communications. So I tried to veer away from marketing communications as much as I could to open a winemaking business, which is totally different. And then two years into my winemaking business, I realized that while I enjoy wine and I love wine, the brick and mortar life, the making of wine is is a lot more laborious than I thought. And I actually, the thing that I love the most about the brick and mortar was doing the marketing communications for it and growing it. And so I decided that owning an online service-based business was more in alignment with who I was and what I wanted to do in my life. And so I came back to doing marketing communications, taking on consulting clients, one-to-one clients, and then eventually growing creatively owned to offer group coaching programs. That's amazing. That must have been quite a revelation to realize that it wasn't the work that you disliked, but the environment. Absolutely. It was a massive revelation and which is what caused probably some problems in my brick and mortar because I realized I had traded like I say the the corporate for like corporate times 10 is how I felt (laughs) how funny and it's really interesting because I feel like the corporate environment it it suits a lot of people and that's wonderful and I feel like if you're in a corporate career and you're starting a side hustle and you're just listening to this podcast for business advice and to hear how others have done it like there is always going to be space for everyone in every industry but like you I found that the corporate world didn't quite work for me but I also when I started my business went straight into corporate mode yeah and it's just like I've just changed one for the other and I've done it myself it's so true it's so true and it's and corporate in a lot of ways for me didn't teach me how to run my business. And so like I went, you know, I operate in the corporate way, but I also didn't have the boundaries, which I mentioned on the other episode is like, I just didn't have that struck. I I followed very much a come to work at nine, go home at five. Right. I didn't have any boundaries coming into entrepreneurship. So I just overworked myself in a lot of ways too. Yeah. I think that that that's something that I found has been quite common as well. And it's, it's such a shame because we, I don't think that we're ever taught. I mean, when do you ever need bound like self-induced boundaries? I mean, a lot in your personal world, admittedly. And it, I think we'd all be better if we did have them. But it's so funny that it's something that, again, with hindsight, we talked a lot about hindsight in the last episode. With hindsight, you can see 
where it would have been beneficial to have those boundaries in place. Yeah. And in corporate, you know, you go, like I said, you're, you go and your boss tells you what to do, right. And they give you tasks and assign tasks to you and you get them and you get to check off what you're doing and you've got goals you're going towards, but in entrepreneurship, you have to do that yourself. And so if you have somebody controlling that, like I say in corporate, and then you go out on your own, it's like, what are the bounds? You don't have, I didn't, I didn't know what boundaries even were like in my personal world I did, but not in, not in entrepreneurship. No, absolutely. Um, I'm really curious because you made this decision to move away from the corporate into a very business, a very different business to the one that you have now. So can I just explore a little bit more with you, if you're happy to share what that kind of felt and looked like for you? So when it came to making that decision to leave your corporate job, was that quite a quick decision? Was that something that you worked up to? Kind of, was it a just an opportunity that arose? I'd love to hear a little bit more around how that looked for you. Yeah, I was itching. I was struggling in the corporate setting, corporate world for probably six years. When I graduated from my degrees in marketing or business, I knew I wanted to do entrepreneurship. I come from a family of entrepreneurs, my grandfather, my dad, and I always knew I wanted to do it. But I got out of university and landed in corporate and started making really good money. And then I was like, well, this is kind of cool. I've got benefits. I've got paid vacation. Like, I love this. Who would trade this in? And over time, I started to not not enjoy it. And I knew I wanted to do an entrepreneurial gig. And so probably six years before I actually made the full leap, I was itching to get out. But I just kept jumping from corporate job to corporate job every two years thinking, you know, maybe it's the job or maybe it's the company I'm working for. And I probably made the decision to make the leap quicker than a lot of people would make. So my brother and sister-in-law pitched the business idea to me at Christmas And I made the decision by the middle of January that like I was done with corporate. My spouse, who takes a little bit longer, quite a bit longer to make decisions, I kind of was like nudging him to to do it. And in hindsight, I probably should have followed his lead a little bit more and taking a little bit more space. But I was in sort of a desperate state to jump out of corporate. Mm -hmm. So my big learning is not to jump in a desperate position or a desperate state of like, I'm done, I need to get out of here because I think that it would have saved me some hardships along the way. Yeah, that's really interesting, because I think it's hard, isn't it? Because whenever you reflect back, you'll always see that you could have done it differently. Totally. And then it's just trying to weigh up. Like, I I always, I'm a fan believer that you make the decision that is right for you in that moment, for the you of that moment. Yeah. And, you hindsight can affect and alter that but in that moment you made that decision because it felt like the right choice totally because it's very rare that you're going to sit there and go which choice should I make oh I know I'll go with the one that sounds like it's going to be the worst like it's (laughs) not going to be something that you do (laughs) totally and that's such a brilliant point because I think it does help alleviate maybe some of the guilt or or you know you're hard on yourself for making maybe a wrong decision or decision like I don't regret the decision at all because I've learned so much as a result of it and grown so much I just I think yeah making that decision in the moment that's right for you and then yeah you're always you're always going to learn so yeah you can always go back if you need yeah if you ever get that that craving to go on back you can so we talked a little bit well we talked a lot last episode around the general hardships of running a business but I'd love to know kind of along your entrepreneurial journey because you had you had the photography business that was that was a side hustle for a while while you were at corporate that's right isn't it correct 
Yeah. And then you have the wine business and now you have creatively owned, which is your copywriting and business mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So as you progress through those, because those are quite different and we talked a lot around having different passions, but it does feel like they have, like they came in an order almost like one after the other, even though there were overlaps. So when you were looking at leaving the corporate world and you're like, why didn't you choose to go full in with the photography business? Was it just opportunity or? Yeah, I think the winemaking business um, came up as an opportunity, something that I was like, I could go full time into this winemaking business. The photography business we had done for six years already as a side hustle. And in commercial wedding photography, basically your entire summer weekends are shot and when you live in Canada where I live it's cold eight months of the year with snow and so your summer is like the time that you want to be chilling in your backyard on a Saturday or going to the lake or hanging with friends and I was me and my partner were putting in 12 hour days and then and then people started getting married on Fridays and Sundays and then they you know so it, it became it consumed our lives at personal lives on the weekends when, you know, we wanted to be doing other things in the summer. So we just, we take on, we're specific now what we take on. It might be like one or two weddings in the summer, that sort of thing. Um, or if someone has a destination wedding and they want to fly us somewhere hot, we'll definitely go. But <laughs> but yeah, so, and the family and baby side of things, you can do kind of whenever. You could, you could do it on a Monday night if you wanted, right? It was just the wedding was very, if you're starting to see a theme with me, when anytime I'm like restricted to like, it has to be on a weekend or it has to be on this, I start to like want to punch out of that box. So I don't, I don't work well in those, in the very kind of restricted, like this is when things have to be kind of thing. I like the pre- freedom of being able to set my own schedule and and kind of do my own thing so I love that so and you obviously found that with starting this online business which admittedly you do still have set hours to a certain degree I would assume but generally speaking you're a lot more in control of your own schedule absolutely and I think that's the thing I don't know if I would have maybe realized that had I not gone through the other things I feel now I'm in the place where I'm supposed to be and I get to do the things I want to do and meet with you know people like you and chat with you and set my client work when I want to and what works and then take holidays when I want to or work from wherever so yeah I think the flexibility is just incredible isn't it yeah awesome so when it comes to your journey as a whole the way that you've gone through these multiple businesses to where you are now and where you're looking at going in the future um are there any key moments or would you be happy to share some of the key moments whether these were either hardships or successes that have really shaped the way that you now have your business and the way that you now form your entrepreneurial life? Yeah. So I think the brick and mortar taught me a lot about creating that sustainability. So everything I do and creatively own now is, is this scalable? Can I sustain this? And how long can I sustain what I'm doing at as a one or two or three man show, right? So really making sure that the decisions I'm making now are ones that are going to help me in the future, which is not something I did in my brick and mortar at first um, and something that I really needed to learn as I went along. So that sustainability piece is huge. The surprises around success, here's the thing that took me so long to start the online business. I was, I remember four years prior to ever making the decision to start the online business, I had come across people doing this type of work. And I remember thinking, is this really possible? Or are they just really lucky? You know, have they just lucked out and that sort of thing? And so I remember my first 
like 10K launch, I was so excited and so surprised that it actually was that I was like, oh, I can actually do this kind of thing. And so some of those like early successes that you can forget about as you grow and scale a business, a lot of the clients I work with now are just starting out. And I just love seeing like the joy and excitement on their faces when they're like, I landed my first client or you know, I grew my Instagram, or I'm getting so much engagement, or lots of people are starting to reach out, I'm getting noticed, like those simple surprises and successes along the way that I just think are so beautiful in the early stages that I think you can forget as you grow your business of like what those early days are really like, and how how exciting they're and then to carry that joy and excitement throughout your business, right, I think is we can we can lose that, I think, sometimes along the way. And so just keeping that sort of joy and excitement, and celebrating all the things. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge advocate for celebrating every success because exactly like you've said, I I think it it holds true in any relationship, whether that's with a person or a business or however you want to look at it, because we always say that, you know, your business and your brand have their own personality, even if it's an extension of you. And I always love to see how that relationship between the business owner and the business develops. And just like any relationship, like you said, after things become almost the norm in air quotes and funny quotes, um, you kind of forget that that's something worth celebrating. Whereas in the early days, like every client was just like, oh my goodness, this is monumental. Yeah. And then if you start getting those regular clients come in, or if you start getting to the point where you're fully booked or overbooked, you it's almost like you forget to celebrate. Yeah. And even to see how far you've come, right? Like I think a lot of work that I do with my clients is like how even over the course of the six to eight weeks that we work together is like look where you were at the start of that eight weeks and look where you've come now because I think like you said we we attach so much of our success to like the money or like how well our businesses are doing but we don't necessarily look at that journey of what it took to get there and all the things we either overcame or the you know the fears we faced or how we put ourselves out there and that sort of thing so I think just yeah really kind of celebrating just the small moments the big moments all of it yeah I love that what's your favorite way to celebrate I love so for me I'm such a social person so I love going hanging with friends um I like a throw a dance party in my kitchen I really started to miss like yeah, the big social, social events because of COVID. But I also like to splurge like on the, at the spa. Yeah, there's so many wonderful ways that you can celebrate as well. I think that it's always built up to be this massive thing where like going out for a spa day is wonderful or going out for a big old party if you've had a massive success. But I think even just having those moments where, you know, you treat yourself to a new book, like yeah. I love buying new books or, you know, a new, it could be anything, whatever it is that, that continues that joy and something that can remind you it doesn't have to be materialistic it could be an experience it could be time give yourself the gift of time totally which I'm sure is a tagline for someone somewhere (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think that it is it's just important even if you only do it with even if you only celebrate on your own which is something that I tend to do because you know, I'm slightly less social, (laughs) but you know, celebrate on your own, dance with your cats, dance, you know, treat yourself to your favorite 
bottle of something yeah. or whatever it is put your feet up watch <laughs> a movie that sort of thing like I just yeah. think yeah it definitely doesn't have to be some extravagant yeah bust out the fancy popcorn rather than like the normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally I love that so your businesses have grown and developed so much but when we're talking about creatively owned so how long have you been running creatively owned now so I've been running it two years now and I sold my brick and mortar in the summer so I've been running creatively owned full-time wholeheartedly full-time since the fall awesome so do you think that looking at your business as it is now this particular one how has it kind of developed and evolved throughout that time that you've had it particularly where you had this big shift of running it as a as a secondary business or a, a multiple business and now it's its own entity of your time yeah so It's interesting because I started with like one-to-one clients and then I went to group coaching and then I gravitated back to one-to-one. Interesting. Like, and I will be launching my group coaching program again, but I think I needed to kind of go through those iterations. I also knew that what I am guilty of is jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing and not giving myself the time to like self-reflect or take a break. So when I transferred ownership in September, I wanted to take like an entire month off, which to go out west to visit my spouse's family and just take, get away. But what I realized was I started to land writing gigs, like getting commissioned to write articles for publications or magazines. So I did that basically until Christmas and that I was making more in my business about like those three months and working way less time, which to me is a success compared to what that brick and mortar was. And so I had essentially doubled my income that like just doing paid writing gigs. And so now I'm going to be relaunching my group coaching program. And I still have my one-to-one writing clients that I work with. I love that variety, being able to to do one-to-one stuff as well as do group coaching. It just keeps things a little yeah the variety of it so I love that I love the fact that it's almost like you used to have variety by having multiple businesses and now you've almost created that variety within your business through the services that you offer. yeah totally do you find that that scratches the same itch as having several different businesses it definitely does I think I think that's where I started to kind of fit myself into a box with this whole rhetoric online where it's like pick one thing launch one thing get known for one thing And I tried to do that with the group coaching. And I think I got, it's not that I got bored by any stretch, but it's like you're launching the same thing over and over. And I just found that I needed that variety of, or or creation in writing. I love to write. And so I needed that element in there. And so when I kind of broke away from the notion that you could only do one thing in the online space, I really enjoy having, yeah, the, the, one-to-one clients come come through my door so I think that there's like I love running group programs and I've done a few of them but I think it's for me there's something really special about having that one-to-one relationship with another client yeah and you get to just you get to focus on different things and I think it's just more of a a, there's more depth there I find with one-to-one yeah yeah absolutely I think that it's definitely depth versus breadth isn't it yeah like you can help multiple people but with a lot less depth Whereas with the one-to-one, it's much more of a deep dive. And, and I feel like you get so much more, well, I, I get so much more attached to kind of celebrating with them and seeing all of these successes. Like you do that with a group program as well, but depending on the numbers in the group, it can be really difficult because not only from you as an individual, but also like different people need different things. Some might be quieter, but cracking on with the work on their own time. Totally. Yeah. It's a lot more variables, I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's interesting that you 
you've gone through that cycle though and come back out the other side whereas like no actually yeah this works for me I've just I've tailored it to suit the way that I want to work yeah and that must be really liberating having a business where you can do that 100% and that's what I think why I say what I've where I am where I'm like I'm in the right spot basically because I have that liberty to do what I want and to grow and evolve it and know that you know the sky's the limit so to speak which sounds so cliche but like I I get to do what I want and I can pivot if I want like if I want to you know I I predominantly focus on service-based businesses but I have this itch right now to to also have like a place on my website that helps product-based businesses specifically because I've done both right I've helped services for a long time but I also had the brick and mortar which was product and I know how to sell product and so I have this itch or passion to help them as well. So there's that component in my create in Creative Leon that I'm looking to add on more support specifically for those product based businesses. Yeah, I think that that's wonderful that you you can. But it's trying things, isn't it? It's try it out, see how it fits, see whether it's something that you enjoy. Yeah. Brilliant. So one of the things that I love talking about in these episodes, we talk about your business journey, but I love talking about branding because you know it's definitely my jam. Yeah. So I'd love to ask some questions around kind of creatively owned and how you came up with the branding and that side of things. So let's start with the business name. So what was it that inspired you to call your business creatively owned? What's the story behind that? Yeah, it's so funny because um, I giggle thinking about it because I think I probably bought maybe 10 domains with a bunch of different names (laughs) like so much and when I first started I my whole purpose was to help creative business owners service-based business owners um and that's so creatively owned kind of came from that perspective but like I said I had probably yeah 10 to 15 different names up on a board and then over time checked them to see like is anyone else using it does it what you know how does it come across and so creatively owned was the one that kind of like stuck like and when I told people about it they're like oh yeah I like that versus like artistic maven was one and I can't remember the other ones but I literally had like 10 domains bought on GoDaddy because I was like reserve name reserve name (laughs) so I kind of threw the name out there to hear what people said but um, I, I do have a passion that lives with creative entrepreneurs, multi-passionate entrepreneurs, right? So I really wanted to come across or have that come across in Creatively Owned. I did battle with using my own name because I know a lot of people in the marketing space will use their own name as like an agency name. Um, and I've even battled with that over the last two years. Like, do I change my name to Catherine Thompson? But I think I can still do Creatively Owned with Catherine Thompson or, in it, you know, you can add my name in there, that sort of thing. So that's kind of, it was a creative process. It took a long time, probably I don't know. I think when I talk to other people, they've had the same experience where they've mulled over this idea of their name and, and that sort of thing. I didn't land on it just one day. It just kind of popped in my head at, amongst a bunch of other different options. And that's the one that kind of stuck. I love that. I like. I, I love naming things. Like I think that if I have my way, I'd just start multiple businesses just because I've got the name for them. And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do that. <laughs> I love it. Oh, dear. It's interesting that you said that you were kind of toying with changing it to being your name, because I know that that's something that a lot of business owners consider, or it's a conversation that I see very frequently. It's kind of, do you go with your name? And again, I suppose that always comes back to what you were saying about making sure that every decision within your business is scalable and sustainable. Yeah. So did that factor into your choice with making a business name as opposed to a personal, like using your name? 
Yeah, it's such a great question because the creatively owned, I envisioned then I could create almost like an agency or an organization or a corporation with it. And that eventually I could hire and train staff to do, then it's not attached solely to me. I remember in my early days of corporate, I was a management consultant and I worked for a gentleman and eventually he wanted me to partner with him, but he was known for his name and everybody wanted him as a result. And so I, I didn't want to do that where I had my name and then everybody wants to work with Catherine. And no matter how big or wide I build that team, it's like, well, where's Catherine? I want to talk to Catherine. I want to, you know, and eventually is that scalable, right? And so the generic name or my brand name, that's not me, <laughs> feels like I can grow it bigger and step away from it at some point if I wanted to. That's really interesting. And that kind of reflects back to some of the things that we're saying in the last episode where you have these celebrity brands where they're now a huge team of people. Yeah. But I almost feel like celebrity brands tend to sell products and courses rather than individual services when they get to that stage. Yeah. So for like solopreneurs or small business owners where you're still kind of outsourcing or one or two employees like yeah absolutely what you were saying is like if if I used my name or if you use your name you'd be like but why aren't I working with Catherine who's this other person who's Bob why yeah. am I working with Bob when I want to work with Catherine 100% so yeah that's a that's a really interesting point and one that I don't think is actually brought up and discussed that often yeah and 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 exactly that is like who is Bob and so if you seek out Catherine Thompson, you get known for being Catherine Thompson and you get known for your work and your work is attached to your name, then how do you step back from it? Or how do you avoid that? And I know, like I said, I experienced it. I had the head of the business, which was his brand business. It was named after him. It was his last name. And so everybody looked for him and they wanted to work with him. And so when he built his team, he had, you know, five consultants under him we didn't, we were nothing. Like, it's not like we were nothing, but people valued him and his opinion and and that sort of thing, which is something, something definitely to consider for sure as you're naming a business. I guess you could always get your employees to change their name by Depot. <laughs> yeah. Just have a team of bobs. <laughs> I mean, that is a great idea. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. Yeah. You're welcome to use that one, listeners. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So as someone who is very good with words and as someone who has built multiple businesses and has that background in marketing, I'd love to know when it came to investing in your branding in particular, whether that was your visual identity or whether that was your branding strategy, was that something that you went external with or was that something you chose to invest time in? Uh, Time. So that was something that I did pretty early on. I've heard a lot of coaches in the online space and I, and I get why they say this, but they, you know, they say, you don't need a lot. You don't need a website. You don't need this. You don't need branding. You don't need a logo. You don't need all these things to start. And I get it. It's to help remove the barrier to entry. Right. But I'm, I so don't agree with that in so many ways. And maybe it's my background in marketing, but I do really think that having a visual representation of who and what you are is so, so powerful. And it's so important, right, for that consistency and coherency in terms of across all different platforms on your website, that sort of thing. And so it was probably the one of the first things that I did, like in all of my businesses, is we have a website, we've got brand colors, we're using consistent, you know, fonts. I'm actually in the stage of rebranding at the moment, because I still am not 100% happy with how things are. But I think that's an evolution too. I know brand, 
brands rebrand all the time, that sort of thing. Like the colors and every, the name is going to stay the same, but it's just to give it a little bit of a facelift. But it was something that I invested time-wise for sure um, up front. A good friend of mine is also a, a graphic designer. So she helped me in the early, early days kind of thing. So I, I highly recommend devoting your energy and time into branding. <laughs> I echo this wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, again, it's that whole, if, if you're getting stuck, if dear listeners, you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't have the money or the time or the skills to invest in this. Like you don't need to have an all singing or dancing website and a logo and everything else but you need the foundations to be there. You need to understand what your business is, what you stand for, what you're connecting with so that your audience knows how to connect with you. Yeah. Because you're just making it easier for yourself, let alone anyone else. And then when it comes to your website and things like get something up and running, there are plenty of wonderful templates out there that you can use, but have something and then invest when you can make it a priority, but don't make it a blocker. Like you were saying, Catherine. Yeah. And the, like you said, the websites now, there's so many places that you can you know, Wix or WordPress or Squarespace or whatever. I mean, there's just so many opportunity now compared to how things used to be where it would, you have to invest in a graphic designer, a web developer to get these sites up and running, but now it's just so easy for people to do it. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think having something that people can connect with is always going to be more beneficial, particularly if you're not able or willing to build your business from like a face-to-face point of view yeah because I feel like that's the alternative isn't it it's like you can build your your personality through being face-to-face and being present but again we go back to that is it scalable and it's not because you can't be everywhere at once 100 (laughs) (laughs) yeah amazing so when you said that you're you're rebranding at the moment do you feel that that is because your business is evolving in a way that now feels like it's the right time to rebrand or do you feel like it's something that's more around where you want to go in the future I think it's both I think I've I want to elevator up level the brand itself I think I relied on sort of the cookie cutter templates that were out there like the canva and that sort of thing and so for me I really want to make it unique and different and not the like I said the cookie cutter templated stuff so having a very unique visual appeal visual identity I also think my core values have changed a bit in terms of who I am and or what my business is all about uh, just through learning and growth and then knowing where I want to take the business I know again that sort of visual identity and the brand reflects who and what you are and so I want that to reflect kind of where I'm going in the future nice I like that a lot I think the question that I usually ask is like how does a rebrand affect your mindset because I think that there's a huge link in confidence isn't there between how you feel about your business and what your brand reflects of that totally totally and I think having started this two years ago as sort of tandem with another business but the brick and mortar was where most of my time was devoted creatively owned was somewhat of a side hustle to some degree to start and so when you're starting out you're just like you know you're getting things up and you're doing it now if this is full time I want to that to reflect in my brand the professionalism the look and feel and all that so brilliant I'd also love to know like your your insights from your experience from that marketing background and your copywriting experience now like the importance from being a service provider for other businesses how important is it when 
they come to work with you that their brand is kind of established and clear. 100%. So this, that's a big thing that I'm learning with my one-to-one clients. Um, I usually do like a brand survey prior to ever onboarding with them because I want to know if I'm writing for them, I need to write in their tone and their language. And it also has to obviously reflect who and what they are. So I put out a brand survey or if they've already done the work, which some clients will come to me and they've already done work with a branding specialist and they've got a package here, take this and read it, um, which is awesome. I love that as well. And so that is one prerequisite prior to taking on any writing gigs with people is like, who are you? What do you stand for? Why do you do what you do? What are your services? What are your core values? And what is, what am I, what do I need to protect in terms of identity, right? That language, tone, fonts, colors, all of that. I have, I have a little bit of a cheeky question to ask as well. Would you turn down a client if their brand wasn't defined enough for you to be able to do your best work? No. However, I do feel like as I grow and evolve my business, I want to become I want to have more boundaries, expectations and specifics in place because I think that causes me some headache on the on the other side trying to sort and figure it out because I have the experience. I've done brand rebrands for big companies and organizations and I've been involved in that process. I understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that um I, I want to take that on. Sometimes I, it gets like almost like subject scope. I become sort of like their brand guide, which is not what I do, right? Like I can do it and I know how to do it, but then it becomes almost like a free service that gets added because I'm giving them the survey and they're going, I've never had these questions asked before. And I'm like, oh, okay. So here, here I am guiding them through that. And, but yet I'm being compensated to do the writing not the branding so either rolling it in as like if you don't have your brand in place like maybe there is an additional consultation fee of like getting that specific or directing them saying you go see somebody else or get this in place before we work together that sort of thing but it certainly does impact the ability to write for them that's really insightful I I really appreciate you sharing that because I feel like a lot of the time the noise and the gurus in air quotes out there always talk about the importance of having a brand for you and for your business but actually having a brand makes it easier for other people to work with you as well 100% hugely (laughs) like hugely and that's the thing that maybe lots of businesses don't even consider right? Because they're, they're setting their business up and they're just, you know, it's that almost survival mode at first. It's like just getting, doing things to get the sales through the door. But when you go to outsource and grow your business and you have to hire a copywriter or you have to hire even staff, right? I always talk about the front facing and the back facing brand of your business where your employees, if they have no vision or anything to work towards, like they're going to lose their own purpose within your business. And so as a leader, you need that brand to help guide your employees to jump on board for the vision (laughs) that you've laid out. Yeah, I think people often forget that the culture within the company that you're working in is part of your brand. 100%. I mean, I'm a big advocate that your brand is literally everything. (laughs) It's a catch-all for everything. But it it genuinely is. Like your your brand values, exactly like you were saying, if you're employing someone to come and work for your company, you want them to be showing up and excited to be a part of your business. And how can they do that if you're not nurturing the culture and expressing your values in a way that kind of encourages that commitment and that connection and yeah and your team your 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 internal team and then that external team too right like why would someone want to invest your customers invest if that 
if they're not buying into what you're selling, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then it all comes back around because why would your customers invest when they're getting your brand from an employee rather than from you? Exactly. That's how important it is that your brand is part of your employee's culture because otherwise when you're relying on them to sell the dream that you have to a client. How can they? Yeah. Yeah. So many layers. I know. I know. (laughs) So we've talked around the brand. We've talked around the business journey. And the question that I always love to ask around marketing, because it's so broad and it's so huge. And as a marketing expert yourself, the one thing that I always ask is what is your either your most effective or your favorite method of marketing for your business? Yeah, I've gone through a lot of phases with my business and businesses, I should say. And I think for me in the stage of where I am right now is like the most simplified, efficient way in which I can attract my audience. And so I'm an integrated type of person where I love the paid and the organic. What's really worked really well for me, honestly, is Facebook ads have been like so, so benefit. I know people like cringe at them and they're like, oh man, I hate Facebook ads, but they've been really, really successful for me leading into my launches. And I do love the challenge note idea. Like I did that for my group coaching program. I do love hosting challenges, but I'm looking at kind of trying to figure out a different way of hosting them or maybe shortening the time frame. I did them over five days, which is a long period of time. So I really do love that sort of seamless Facebook ads to challenge to launching the program, something that's, like I said, seamless and simple and not over like trying all things. I'm I'm moving away from that. When I opened the brick and mortar, it was like, I need to be on the radio and in the newspaper. And I need to do all these sorts of things. And I like did all of it. Right. And um, they were successful and they worked, but it was like, I realized that I didn't necessarily that in the early stages of business, I find that that word of mouth can work really, really well. Um, it's not something again, that's sustainable over time. You have to have some types of strategies in place. So I put in referral programs and whatnot, which I think work really well too. So For me, like I said, it's just that simplified, simplifying it in a seamless sort of way. Yeah, I love that because and referrals is a fantastic thing that's often overlooked because I think generally a lot of the responses are relationship building and face to face. But referral schemes within your business is a fantastic way of continuing that. 100 percent. And it's like it's effortless selling. Like if you put something in place where your people can do the selling for you, I mean, it's and that's what the brick and mortar eventually became was I invested like thousands of dollars in the first year into radio and newspaper. And then after that first year of business, I started to really ask my customers, like new customers that would come in, like, you know, how did you hear about us? Well, my friend Jim comes here. My my cousin Janie comes here. And it was like, okay, wait a minute. And so in the last three years of our business, I invested very little in paid advertisement. It was all referral word of mouth marketing that grew our business to close to a million dollars in sales. That's incredible. And it's so powerful as well, because you skip over so much of the consideration phase of the buyer's journey, because they're like, well, my mate, Jim, yeah, <laughs> my mate, Jim says that you're great. So I don't really need to see any more reviews. I don't really need to see your Instagram content for six months. I, I'm just going to give it a go. Totally. And exactly that. It's that no like and trust gets built like instantly. From everything that you've shared today and from the lessons that you've learned from your multiple businesses and from running creatively owned, what would be the one thing that you would like to share with the listeners today? For me, like I said, I'm in a sort of a season of simplicity. 
I think that we can overcomplicate business, overcomplicate marketing. Um, there's all the different like shiny objects out there and tactics that you can do. And I think for me, the biggest recommendation is pick one strategy and try that strategy for 60 to 90 days to see what works and what doesn't. One of the biggest mistakes I see new entrepreneurs make, maybe even some seasoned ones, is that they try something for like a week and it's not working. You know, I often hear this with Instagram, like, oh, I'm not getting the engagement. Well, how long have you consistently been posting? And like a consistent message, not just something of you on a trip or here or there or whatever, like an actual coherent, succinct, consistent message. Oh, well, like a couple days or a week or a month. Well, it takes time to build and gain traction. So I'm like, try the strategy. Multiple strategies work, as you can tell, I've tried Facebook and radio and print and all the things, they all work. It's just a matter of consistently doing it for a period of time where you can test it. So that's the biggest recommendation I have and that we can chase the shiny objects, but try to find that focus. You know, Clubhouse came out this year and everyone's like, I got to be on Clubhouse and it's great. And I'm sure it's, I have an Android, so I can't, I'm not, I'm not allowed to be on it. I haven't been invited on it, but it's like, it's this distract, it can be a distraction, right? And how many people did it veer away from their strategy on maybe Instagram or Facebook that they had devoted time and energy to build. And now they've, or TikTok, right? There's all these things that are constantly going to be thrown in your face. And so for me, it's just simplicity and commit to using a strategy for like at least 69 days, see what works and what doesn't work. So yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. I think that impatience is, it's not even impatience because you're just so keen to see results, which you get from places like when you're in a corporate job, you see what's happening straight away. Yeah. Like, get feedback whereas if you're an entrepreneur and you're relying on yourself like 30 days of being consistent or 90 days of being consistent oh it feels like a lifetime right and that instant gratification of like I need to see results and when there's a lot of pressure on if you've made the full-time leap out and you don't have another job right this is your job and you've committed to doing this it can be scary because you've got this pressure to make money right um absolutely Yeah. So I think, but it is the patience. I think the patience and doing the same thing. I often, like I said, see a lot of people I work with are launching products, but they do launch services or go through the launch process. And the, you know, they try one strategy, like a webinar, and then they're like, didn't work. So I'm going to try a challenge. And then oh, that didn't work. So I'm going to try something else. But you're starting from scratch each time. And so you're never really getting that momentum or traction that you probably could get if you just tweaked one slight thing or changed one slight thing and in your process so amazing I think that that's a fantastic place to kind of wrap this up for today so where can the listeners find more of you online yeah so I'm hanging out mostly on Instagram but you can definitely find me on Facebook too at creatively owned perfect I will pop all of the links in the show notes as always and thank you so so much for sharing your story with us today I think that it's just it's always wonderful to hear how one business is created that for you to share how all of yours have and how they've grown has just been yeah it's just been really magical yes well thank you for having me anytime cool so all the links will be in the show notes listeners and if you want to see more of Catherine and her work at creatively owned you can find all of the details there and i have one favor to ask i always ask at the end of these podcasts now can you please just tell one other person about the brand lounge because your recommendations really do help this podcast to grow and all you need to do is mention it in passing let them know that they can search for the brand lounge wherever it is that they listen to podcasts particularly if they're a business owner, that would be absolutely magic. And then I can continue bringing you these wonderful guests every Tuesday and 
Thursday. So until next time, head over to our Instagram or Facebook communities with the links in the show notes and we can continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.